0: Meowch, I was going to ask you after our conversation about Stephen King the other day that was a little bit contentious. I did want to ask, like, what's your favorite Stephen King book?
1: Favorite Stephen King book? Oh man, that's you're making me pick a favorite
2: kid. I think. Um, I mean, that's an easy one. You don't for have to me. do just one. I mean, the, the, I can pick a favorite kid, no problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we all know it's Coco. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. The, the stand is really, really good. Uh, really like that one. Dark Tower, all those books are fucking great. Salem's Lot is really, really good. Really like that one.
2: What was the contentious this is good conversation? To
0: hear oh, <laughs> we were all drinking scotch on Discord <laughs> while we were playing Animal Crossing and um, uh, Meowch brought up Dr. Sleep asking if I had seen it. Uh, and I did see it, and I really hated it. And then we also talked about HBO's *Outsider*, which I also hated.
2: Wait, did, uh, Miach, um, did you like *Doctor Sleep*? I loved it.
1: I thought it was wonderful.
0: There's no joy left in my body, so oh. I, I, you know, take it with a grain of salt.
1: Listen, I, yeah, I mean, like, I, I if 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 the Stephen King adaptation isn't complete garbage, then I consider that mm-hmm. I consider that a win pretty much every time.
0: Okay, from from your take, what's the best adaptation and what's the worst?
1: The best adaptation? Ooh. Um I don't know. Prob I mean probably the the c- consensus would be like The Green Mile probably. Really?
2: Mm. Not,
1: yeah. uh, mm. not
0: Shawshank? That's interesting.
1: Yeah, or Shawshank, yeah. One of those two. That's what like pu- like and those are the two that people don't even realize, like Stephen King. They're like,
0: oh, yeah,
1: it's just the horror guy. But he also yeah, wrote... Yeah, this,
0: this is news to me. Yeah. I um, The other day I was playing Animal Crossing and just as self-care, like it was raining, I popped in my misery on VHS. <clears throat> Gotta say. Oh, misery. That's, re- that's a really, really
1: good miss- one. Oh, man.
0: I yeah. feel like that might be the, my favorite favorite adaptation I, I'm so biased because I fucking love Misery the book and I love the movie so much Kathy Bates 1991 Academy Award winner for best Actress for that movie she deserves it oh, she deserves the world it! and like I was rereading a good bit of Misery the other day and was just like man this is like just a perfect perfect adaptation of a book that is wonderful on its own but it's not like The Shining where The Shining the movie and The Shining the book are each wonderful in their own right but they're very very different Mm-hmm.
2: Have I ever told you guys either of you the uh, the story about the uh, how I read The Shining for the first time? No. So I was in college, and uh, there was this this girl that I really liked, and we were like friends. And I didn't know how to <laughs> how to say anything. And I was obsessed with the movie. I'd never read the book. I watched the movie a lot in high school, and you know, like one of my all time favorite movies still is. And so I, you know, I grew up in North Jersey, and and this girl was uh, over the summer working at like a, a some kind of firm in in New York, and I would go in and hang out with her like as friends. And at one point, I got so like overwhelmed by like I have to tell her how I feel that I like I was hanging out with her, and she like. I don't know we were at her apartment and then she like went shopping or something left the apartment for a little bit and I stayed there why I don't even remember why but basically I wrote out this long letter to be like here's how I feel about you left it on her table and went home and then was in a massive existential uh state of panic for (laughs) you know as long as it was going to take her to get back to me and I was like now's the time to read The Shining (laughs) (laughs) And as if it isn't already stressful enough. And after like, she didn't get in touch with me for days. This went on for at least two, I think maybe three (sighs) days. And I was like losing my mind. Uh, And then when she finally uh, got back to me about it, uh, she was like, yeah, I don't want to date you. I just want to be friends. And I lost my mind, you know, not in a rageful way, but like in a despair kind of way. Uh,
0: yeah, in a college rejected by a girl yes. way.
2: And then a year later, we were dating. Oh, so it worked out.
0: Hey.
1: <clears throat> and you got to read a fun book in the process. And I got to read a fun
2: book, which yeah. made everything worse.
0: <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, you want to hear about some uh, intergenerational trauma? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, sweet yeah if, if you people, if you have seen The Shining and like The Shining, but you haven't read the book, um, read the book. It's very good. I'm sure you have time on your hands. Just just give it Did, a read. Did you see the they
2: made a, like a more recent non Kubrick uh, film version of it, right? The mini series. Right? Was, was that what it was? I don't remember. Yeah, Uh, well, there
0: was that. And then the one from this year was Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel. Right. But I'm talking about
2: the not the sequel, just the original book. Wasn't there is that isn't there one where they they did something else and King was like, this is the real version, not that Kubrick bullshit.
0: Yeah, that's 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 like the 90s miniseries. Okay. Yeah. Which I also need to watch. Um, but yeah, uh, hey everybody! Welcome to Leighton Night. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: Leighton. Do you want to introduce yourself? Were we, as per who suggested this, Carboni, right? Uh, that we actually have to introduce ourselves yes. at the top, which I think is a good move.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, I guess that's what all podcasts do. Instead of just starting to talk and being like, "You guys figure it out." Um, hi, I'm Leighton Gray from Leighton Night.
2: Uh, I'm Brian Wecht. Also from Late Night, which is the thing you're listening to, and our special guest today is guest. Introduce yourself.
1: Oh, saw dude, Commander Meouch from Twerp, and also from Late Night. Whoa.
0: Hey, yeah. yeah, If you you haven't been able to make it to uh, the two Late Night live shows, uh, uh, Meouch has been our wonderful bassist.
1: Yeah, I'm the I'm the band leader of the fucking world's smallest uh, band. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's you and <laughs> and a very insultingly named pedal, which is <laughs>
1: oh the beat buddy, the beat That's right. buddy. That's right. He's it's like uh, something you'd give
2: to a three year old bassist. He's your little <laughs> beat buddy.
1: He's a little beat buddy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Brian, don't don't downplay your uh, your contributions of destroying a children's drum
2: set. Uh, it was my daughter's drum set. Thank you very much. And <laughs> yep, I uh, beat the shit out of it live on stage, and then had to throw it away. And for bits,
0: also, I, there's a video of that on our YouTube channel. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, late at night, if you want to check that out. Um, so we're off to a great start I'm talking about our, our our boy Stevie King. That's right.
2: um, this is our our eighth episode, and I believe probably the. Uh, the fifth in which we've discussed Stephen King.
0: Yeah, uh, I, well, I appreciate that everyone's been like, thank you for the horror recommendations, because this entire time I've been like, am I talking about horror movies too much? Which I guess is me every day of my life. Um, but glad glad y'all have been
2: enjoying that, because uh,
0: it ain't going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so do we just want to jump right into uh, this this ding-dang episode? Yeah,
2: why the hell not? We've, we've never had a, an intro this short before, but I'm cool with that. Let's just do it, right? All right, so yeah let's 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 go for this uh the first thing I want to discuss is a picture uh that was sent to us from from Lee and they made a uh an airbrushed n s p van' uh, we'll post the picture of this uh, on our socials I'll probably post it on <laughs> NSP socials too because it's so fucking great that's, that's a, not that's there's no way that's real right that can't be that real. that has to be an illustration right they, they explicitly
0: said that it's a model <laughs> okay <laughs> But it's a fucking sick mock-up. It's fucking
1: metal as hell, dude. Uh,
2: So what it is, is it's me and Dan in our NSP costumes riding a purple dragon. This is all airbrushed on the side of a van. uh, That's breathing a... I mean, is that fire and smoke or lava or something? You know, it's some kind of fire-breathing dragon. And...
0: I like the idea that it's lava, because then the implication would be that instead of breathing fire, the dragon is vomiting lava. Oh, no wait,
1: man, that's that's a that's a sexual mist that's getting fucking sprayed up there. That's, <laughs> oh, what that's, that is. that's a good
2: point. <laughs> just yeah. sick, tasty jams. Actually, just to, to dive, go back one second. I love the idea that any fire-breathing dragon is actually barfing. The whole time, rather than just breathing fire, that it's this process of being—it's like they, physically, they really you know. just
0: need help.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. right; they're very sick, and they're just barfing fire. This
0: dragon requires treatment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the context for this was last episode or one of the other episodes. What the, what the hell was the context for this? I Every time we say something on this show, it immediately falls out of the back of my yeah, head. Yeah, I
2: don't know when or why we said it, but I was talking about uh, when NSP and, of course, Twerp uh, tour together. We're on a bus. Uh, and one thing that we had discussed at some point is what they call wrapping the bus, where you put you know the band name and, and stuff on it. But then uh, we said, yeah, that's probably not a great move because we don't want people like banging on the bus all the time while we're trying to sleep not that that necessarily would have I'm not trying to like say there'd be just be a Beatles style mob outside the bus all the time but you know a little a certain degree of anonymity is is nice also yeah, yeah. Like already
1: driving a giant massive fucking 50 foot vehicle <laughs> need to draw more <laughs> attention to it if at all possible that's right if you
2: need to guess where the musicians live <laughs> Like, it's probably the giant bus parked outside the venue. Like, that's not, it it doesn't take a lot of detective work to really reach that conclusion. Um, Yeah, it's
1: the small apartment complex on wheels next to the club. (laughs) But, you know, we cram
2: like 10 to 12 people on this bus because it's me and Dan and then everyone in Twerp and the various people that, you know, merch and sound and tour manager and everything like that that come with us. Uh, So we're in this rolling, like, small hotel. Uh, and we discussed wrapping it, but then said that wouldn't be a good idea. And, uh, Lee made this very lovely, very anonymized, not the, totally not the ninja sex party tour van, (laughs) van, which is really, really
1: great. That seems like, it it looks like the kind of van, like if you, if you needed to find drugs somewhere in a strange city, you could probably knock on, (laughs) knock on the the sliding door and, and, you know pick up and score if you need to pick up feel.
2: pick up some drugs yeah you, yeah you you rove
0: around yeah rove around the city searching out other airbrushed vans <laughs> it's like oh that one has a wizard on it you know they have the good they shit the good lo- shit
1: yeah
2: honestly it looks more like the kind of thing where you could buy bootleg game boy cartridges uh, of <laughs> 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 yes
1: so, something totally yeah something a little uh a little cooler yeah yeah
0: um, so thank you so much, Lee. Really appreciate you sending that to us. It was it was uh, sending that to us. It was a delight That's to receive that. I email, super love so it. So thank you very much.
2: Uh, all um, right. so yeah, pick. we Go for it.
0: Yeah, so on Twitter we asked people to send us emails, um, asking questions for the three of us uh, about creative process stuff. So I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about this stuff with y'all because you're two very talented musicians and uh, I write stuff and do art and other stuff so three of us combined i'm sure we can give moderately good advice on this also layton
2: um, you are very talented yourself so please do not sell yourself short
0: uh, i guess actually you know what that's the first piece of advice guys don't downplay your own accomplishments don't don't do what i just did you're skilled and uh, you gotta own A- and it. and
2: take anyway take compliments right if someone says hey i really like your yeah. stuff say thank you
0: don't use it as an opportunity to put yourself down that's right. Just learned from my mistakes. Um, so let's just jump into it and do some questions. Brian, would you like to read the first uh, one? You just take your pick. Yeah.
2: All right. So uh, our first question uh, is, I don't know who this is from, but that's okay. Uh, it says this. I've started painting and drawing more recently because I missed it and wanted to do something creative again. But rather than creating my own unique thing, I feel like I rely so heavily on the inspiration of another person's work. I'll take heavy inspiration from different pieces I like and mash it together to make my own thing, but it doesn't feel like mine. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how do you use something as an inspiration without feeling like you're stealing it, and how much of it is purely original? Uh, and that's the question.
0: person who sent this email, I apologize that I forgot to put your name in the thing. Tweet us and I'll yeah, sorry an apology about that. at you. I, I, you're cool.
2: Sorry. Uh, I think this is a really great question because, I mean, so just to say this... Uh, out loud, no art is created in a, in a vacuum, really, right? We all have inspirations from our lives, and sometimes you have something that's, like, literally in front of you, inspiring you, but nothing you're doing is... Uh, it just exists outside of the rest of art, right? So even if you don't know it, you're inspired by, by something.
1: There's a good saying... Uh, I don't know who said it. All the best shit is stolen, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like something, something, good artists something and great artists <laughs> steal. I love to do half of a quote. Yeah,
1: Jesus said it probably all the best shit is sold. Yeah.
0: It's it's in the Bible. It's in It's
1: in the Bible somewhere, man. One of those pages. In the back, maybe. Yeah, it's
0: like all all art forever has just been a chain of influences. And like you may know on the surface that you're taking things from like these ten different pieces of media, but the people who are experiencing your final product don't see that back end. They only see the front end and they might be like Oh, this reminds me of this, but I feel like pretty often I'll run ideas past other people and be like, "Hey, does this? Am I like taking too many bites out of like this piece of media's lunch?" And they're like, "No, yeah, <laughs> not at all." Um, so it's really easy to overthink that kind of stuff.
2: It, it totally is, and there's, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, I mean, I I, th- I mentioned this in the last episode, but often uh, if I'm just kind of sitting down to write music, I will pull up a piece of music that is maybe like the kind of genre I want to write in listen to it for a little bit, usually, I don't know, just enough to get the vibe, and then essentially try to rewrite it. And like, as if I was starting from from what I just heard, and it always ends up being completely different than the thing that I I, I just listened to. And it's it's just a jumping off point. And I never feel, I mean, I'm not copying it exactly, so I'm not saying I'm going to use this exact beat or these exact chords or whatever, but even if you did the thing you're going to end up with is almost certainly going to be totally different than what you just heard. So unless you're like blatantly ripping something off, it's yours. Like just, just, just own it. I think it's more of a question of mindset than, uh, than the, the material, if that makes any sense, right? The material is probably original enough to be just a, a standalone thing. And you just feel like it's, it, it's not yours, but every, every working artist writer musician whatever any kind of creative person is is starting from from some point and then and then moving on to make something that's that's their own so you just have to feel like you you own it so don't don't worry about ripping people off just 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 go for it and then if you hear it and you're like oops that's accidentally exactly the same all right well then then don't use it
0: yeah, get get like a rubber duck sanity check from somebody else of like, yes. hey, without me saying anything else, uh, check this out and tell me if it reminds you of anything or if it <laughs> seems like I'm ripping it off. Because usually if you don't prompt the person and they don't say, oh, this is just like this thing, like, you're probably good. But also it's when you start like how Brian's saying of listening to something that you like and sort of copying it, like, that is such an excellent and valid way to learn stuff. I mean, so many artists, like... Obviously, you should not post these things, which I think there is a large impetus on people to always be put or artists to always be posting, but like tracing art that you like and learning from that or like doing a digital painting to replicate another digital painting is like, oh, you learn so much from that. And then you go into your own drawings and you feel that influence, but it's not because you have your own personal like creative signature. It is inherently going to be your own.
2: Yeah. And remember... You can always dismiss anything as homage. So, <laughs> like, if something is too close, yeah, you're just pay, you know paying respects to this person that did it. Uh, Listen, baby, originally.
1: it's all it's all it's all gravy until the lawyers get involved. Basically, you're <laughs> you're, you're good up until up until that point.
2: Isn't there something crazy with music? It's Mioc, um, yeah, you might know this uh, better than I do, but it's something like for actual copyright infringement, it's lyrics and melody I believe that count and not chords isn't it something like that it's something it's something that makes not very much sense but I can't remember exactly what it is
1: uh that sounds that sounds right uh I definitely had read up on it before the thing with copyright music it's such a fucking gray area that it's oh yeah it's so tough but yeah I know lyrics are a pretty big one yeah probably melody I mean Bro, there's only twelve notes, dude. There's only so many ways to rearrange them shits, you know. So,
0: yeah, you you can't put a copyright on G sharp.
1: Um, no, I, I tried. I, I'm
0: curious to ask y'all because this is something that I know nothing about. Um, but like, what what is generally the take on like sampling other songs?
2: That's I I really don't know much about it. Meowch.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, I used to know more when I I did more sampling. But sampling is it's a little bit. Um, more clear-cut i think there's something about it there's a time limit i think
2: yeah isn't it like uh, 10 seconds 30 seconds like i'm guessing i don't really remember could be I, by the way it's hard to just say. D- disclaimer do not take legal advice from this podcast like i i, I cannot <laughs> actually don't take any advice from this podcast but especially legal <laughs> advice we do not know what we're talking about
1: Amateur, lo- amateur lawyers at best.
0: Also, sorry, my dog is, like, all over me right now, and she wants to squeak her toy, and she just jumped up over my chair into my lap. <laughs> so I apologize for dog noises. Uh, Maybe you want to do a little puppy ASMR? Surprise guest!
2: So, Miatch, M- when you're uh, playing, how much of what you do, like, is... Are you like, oh, I'm going to do a line like this bassist or this artist or whatever versus just going? You, does that make sense as a question?
1: Uh, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I feel like, uh, at this point, I think when I was younger, um, I would have more of a, I'd be thinking about a little bit more. I feel like now mm-hmm. I just, whatever comes out, comes out and you, you could probably trace different lines and different styles and different yep. licks and different hooks and stuff like that. It's definitely more of a subconscious thing when I'm playing as opposed to something I've actively think about.
0: Um, kind of segueing from that into another question we received, uh, hello, my name is Chris. I wanted to ask Commander Meowch, what is the funkiest bass line he's ever heard growing up?
1: The funkiest bass line? Oh man. <laughs> probably, uh, probably, uh, I don't know, man. Pro- anything by Chic, Just like good times by oh, yeah. Chic, dude.
2: Who is the, who's the bassist in, in Chic? Nile didn't play bass, right? Just guitar? No,
1: Bernard Edwards, baby. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> yeah fucking god man uh yeah that's the funkiest baseline ever fucking fight me about it <laughs> who,
0: are, who are other bassists that you really like or um try to emulate creatively
1: oh man uh lewis johnson is a great one uh abe laboreal oh, La-
2: La- larry graham
1: larry graham uh yeah i mean i like larry graham i don't i like lewis johnson's kind of slappy technique a little bit more than than his mm-hmm. um but larry- for
0: the uninitiated who don't know basses by name will you share oh uh, what bands these basses play oh for?
1: yeah yeah uh well larry graham was sly in the family stone he's like the the quote-unquote like inventor of, of slab bass um and, and lewis johnson is like well and also big-
2: L- larry graham is then graham central station which and is also, that, such as- <laughs> well, it's called uh, what? What's a do doo-doo-doo, do 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 do? Which what song is it? The hit? Not, what is not, that?
1: It's not Pow, is it?
2: No, it's the, it's the something, the riff, the hit, the lick. I can't remember.
0: Oh. And the rest? Oh, of the oh is it the- just be you emulating different <laughs> <base> lines
1: <laughs> Is it the jam? The jam,
2: it the jam. That's what it. Yes, yeah, it's it the it. jam. Yeah, bruh.
1: Um, yeah, funky as fuck. Uh, Lewis Johnson is, he's like, it was a huge, um, bass player in the late seventies, eighties, um, played with like everybody, but most people would, you would just call him Michael Jackson's bassist for the most part, like yeah. played on the like, Thriller and, uh, off the wall and shit. Uh, but played on like a, a million albums. He's So good.
2: Can you discuss your emotional relationship with Bootsy?
1: Oh, with Bootsy baby? Oh man. Find me a, he's just a, he's the... Funky Godfather, man. I love Bootsy.
2: So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Bootsy <laughs> Collins is a bassist who played with uh, James Brown and then Parliament Funkadelic, Bootsy's Rubber Band. He's like the basically like the signature uh, funk bassist for all the Parliament kind of stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Man, just to, honestly, to fucking watch any video of Bootsy or just look at a picture and like not just like smile and be having a great time. I don't, think, I don't think that man has ever been sad in his whole life.
2: No, and he's got such a fun, distinctive voice. Uh, oh, the name is Bootsy, baby. You know, this like... Yeah, Baba. <laughs> just the way he talks, he's got such a fun, uh, awesome voice. And he wears... Oh, he- uh, he's the guy with stars in his eyes. He wears these star like star sunglasses. Are, are they sunglasses or regular glasses? I can't even remember now. Uh, oh, they're sunglasses for sure. Uh, of course.
0: Oh, let's bring that back.
2: You got yeah. to wear your sunglasses so you can see what you're doing.
1: That's it, man.
0: <laughs> that's it. That, that's, those are the real lyrics to Sunglasses at yeah. Night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I have a, a different question that was not emailed, but um, uh, uh, Meowch, are there any... This is such a, like, non-outside-of-musician uh, question, so I apologize, but, like, are, are there any, like, trends in bass playing or, like, ticks that bother you?
1: Um... Nah, people can do whatever the fuck they want. I don't care.
0: <laughs> God, what a positive attitude. Just, just, I, wish more, I wish more people could take that attitude about literally everything. Yeah,
1: just if you don't like it, don't fucking look at it, man. It's not that hard.
2: Yeah, no one's forcing <laughs> you to play a certain way in music. Like, if it, There's a million things out there people like or don't like, and there's a very easy thing you can do, which is turn it the fuck off. And then yeah, get up, get up with your you. life, and be
0: like, "This is not for me." <laughs> okay, moving on. Yep. Yeah,
2: exactly. Who gives a shit?
0: I'm gonna go find the thing that is for me. Uh, um, should we do a cat?
2: Let's well, do a cat.
0: Oh, we should do a cat. All right. Um, so actually, wait. I feel like we momentarily need to discuss the movie Cats 2019. Oh seen fuck it yeah! I, I thought I
1: thought that's what the whole podcast is gonna be about.
0: We got plenty of emails that were, "Will you write this cat?" And then it's just
2: the poster from Cats. Fuck yeah! Uh, Very. I, funny. Uh, I I can't remember if we discussed this. I saw Cats live now and forever at the Winter Garden Theater when I was a child. Uh, it was a big part of my my childhood. The the live action musical in New York. And it made you a furry. Ah, uh, how to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Cats, like, I, I loved the music growing up, and, uh, it, it, like, it, it, you couldn't grow up in, or around New York City in the, in the 80s without being, you know, without having cats shoved down your throat, um, and I listened to the soundtrack a lot, I, I saw it at least twice, um, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and then, you know, probably by the time, I don't know, it was like 13 or something, I stopped, you know listening to it. Uh so this is when I was like 10ish, so I was really into it. Uh and then I don't think I listened to it at all until I was in my 30s and then I revisited it and I was like why did people like this? It <laughs> genuinely baffled me. The music is the synth sounds are amazing. I mean, it's just a little slice of mm-hmm. the 80s on Broadway. Uh, but it's fucking insanity, it man! It is complete it's, it's insanity. What, it's
1: it's what being crazy must sound like all the time. I think.
2: <laughs> yes, and like some of the, you know, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? So was, I said that name wrong. I said Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like I said, ever. Uh, and so some of the songwriting is amazing. You know, the guy writes really good uh, Broadway style. Poems. Oh, bro, the hook,
1: Mister. The Hook and Mr.
0: Mistopheles, so good.
2: Yeah, Memory is an yeah. all-timer of a song, right? That's just... Memory,
1: fucking skimble shanks,
0: bro. Yeah, and like... I gotta say, McCavity was always my favorite.
2: is a great one. Uh,
0: I, yeah. Sorry, dog it, dog... Maybe, I can't play right now. I'm sorry. The, She's, mad. She's jealous that we're talking about cats.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Visibly uh, upset. But it, it,
2: it, it yeah. is, it, you know, listening to that soundtrack... Uh, or I should say cast recording start to finish is it, it is the it's a window into a diseased mind and <laughs> it, it, it's so deeply upsetting on a variety of levels that it, it is basically baffling why people were so all about it in, in the eighties. I, I I'm sure uh, like, I'm sure you can read reviews and stuff, which I would imagine were uniformly positive positive. But it's it's just so much of it is so bewildering. But anyway, I haven't seen the movie.
0: Oh, Brian! I, I need you to watch. The, I need you to watch the movie so bad. I in light uh, of I, I want this. to. Uh, Ra-
2: Rachel wants to. We we almost went to see it in the theaters, and then just never got around to it.
0: Do not show it to Audrey. It is so fucking horny. I can't believe no, it. I, it's
2: it's, d- it's deeply won't. sexual,
1: bro. I went three times to go see it. Or no, it's uh, twice. Twice in the theater, and then on the road we um, we watch it again, and I'll, I'll watch it again. And you, literally anytime you want, uh, as long as we Let's get do like it. some some bourbon, and you know, and you you just you know you don't have to do anything afterwards, so you can just sit and kind of process your life. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Watching that movie just like pressed hard on like directly on my Vegas nerve, where it's just like fight or flight activated. Gotta go. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well the thing with
1: that movie is if you if you if you make it through, you're either going to bail within the first five minutes of the movie and be like, I can't, this is too much. I can't watch this. Because uh, it's
0: immediately so much
1: Oh my god, I've never it Nothing will throw you into the deep end without a fucking life preserver faster than the first five minutes of Cats. It's <laughs> so fucking crazy.
0: Like I thought I was ready, but I was not ready. Nothing can
1: prepare you.
2: I'm very excited to see
1: but it. That's the thing is oh. people People, yeah, like I I tell people all the time to go watch it because it's like it's just um, it's a safe way to watch uh, like a car accident, like a really insane neon car accident. Um, Ouch!
0: Did you see the butthole cut before they fixed it?
1: I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't think I.
0: I I mean, like before they fixed a lot of the VFX, and then because the 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 first
2: release was it it was it was like rendered the day before they put it out, right? Oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that
0: everyone's floating off the ground. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, I heard that there was a cut, like, when it first came out, because they had rushed it, and I don't know what version I saw. I saw it after it had been out for a few weeks. I'm assuming it was the patch version. But, like, man, you could have told me it was the unfinished version. I would have believed you anyway. Just
0: That that first day DLC. I I saw it, like, immediately. I don't think it was opening day, but it might have been the day after. (laughs) It was just so fucking magical. Maybe my favorite theater experience I've ever had second or... Right up there with, um, did y'all see the Rings movie? Like, the really bad 2017 no. Ring sequel? No, I
2: only saw the originals. Oh, f-
0: fuck. I got to see that movie with my friends from college. We were the only people in the theater, except for, like, a couple who left about 20 minutes in. <laughs> and, and we were just, like, losing our minds because we had the entire theater to ourselves, stoned as fuck. That movie is a trip. The, um, the guy from Big Bang Theory, not the Bazinga one, The other one is like trying to be a brooding professor and it's just like, oh, I can't unsee Big Bang Theory right now. Um, It's very bad. If you want a fun, bad horror movie, Rings is for I love (laughs) it
2: when I watch people walk out of movies. Uh, It's one of my favorite things. (laughs) I was
0: delighted. For movies that you've seen that people have walked out of, what were the movies and what was the point where they started walking out? I was going to –
2: this is my all-time favorite watching people leave a movie experience. So I went to see Bad Santa – you know, when did that come out? It's like, it's a long time ago now. It, it's 20 years ago or something, probably. Yeah, like mid-90s, right? I was, I think I was home from college for Christmas. Because um, I went to see it at the at the Lowe's at the Willowbrook Mall in Wayne, New Jersey. Whoa, 2003? Yeah, so about 20, okay, so what, really? Yeah. I guess, okay, I guess that doesn't seem, are you sure that wasn't the sequel? I just Googled it. It's 2003. Fuck. I would have guessed 1996. Um, I know, me too, because that's the kind of humor that's. No. In it. Anyway, so I went to see this movie, and uh, uh, it gets to the point where Lauren, uh, what's her name? Lauren Graham, right? And uh, Billy Bob Thornton are having sex in a car, and she's saying, Fuck me, Santa, fuck me, Santa, fuck me, Santa. And at that point in the movie, a family. <laughs> Stands up with its two young children and walk walks out of the theater. And I was just like gobsmacked because it's that's funnier. That's funnier than the whole movie. It's fun. (laughs) It's an R-rated movie. And also, before you get to that point, there's like shit happening. It's not like the first thing that happens.
0: Almost immediately, it's not like a family-friendly movie. It's like, hey, look at this piece of shit.
2: And oh,
0: I'd say, has Billy Bob Thornton ever been in? Like, I don't think children want to see Billy Bob Thornton. And nobody wants to see him having sex either. No.
2: Like. And also, like, also, I, it was like a 10 p.m. showing, too. So why, why those kids were up and at an R-rated. Look, I, I, far be it for me to judge other people's parenting choices. Who knows what was going on with their lives? But it certainly seemed like maybe not the best decision.
1: Yeah, Bad Parents, the fucking movie right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Meowch, have you have you seen movies that uh, people have uh, walked out of that uh, stand out in your memory? Uh, I don't
1: recall any off the top of my head. I go to a lot of theater movies, really. Um, have you ever walked out of one? No, no way. Movies are expensive. I'm going to get my money's worth if I'm paying that kind of ticket price.
2: I, I, walked, box, out, sit there. Yeah. I walked out of a movie semi-recently. Um, <clears> I talked about on a recent episode being stuck in Boston about a year ago, last January. And I uh, I wanted to see A Star is Born. I will just cop to this right away uh, because I thought it might be great. And indeed, you know what? The first half of that movie is really good and then the second half is a travesty. Uh, but there's some really good things. Anyway, saw the movie, had mixed feelings about it. I was like, you know what? It's Aquaman time. So I just, I did the thing where I just <laughs> walked into the theater next door. Sat down. It was the kind of thing where it had just time, like the timing was perfect. I walked in just as the movie was starting. Yes, I know this is maybe morally dubious, but fuck you, stop judging me. Um, and <laughs> got through maybe twenty minutes of Aquaman, which I was seeing for free, mind you. And I was like, I <laughs> really hate this. And oh my god, you you went o for left. two, man. Yeah, I have to say, A a Star is Born, there's some really good stuff in there, and the the single, uh, was it Shallow? Is that what it is? Uh, It's a great pop song. Like, you know, Lady Gaga has a wonderful voice, and the songwriting on that is fantastic. Like, they really, really nailed it. Um, Yeah, she's fabulous. Sam Elliott, you know, uh, there's a lot of great people in that that film, Um, but... Yeah. Okay, I have
1: a I have a I have a short story about uh, a star is born.
2: <laughs> oh, I wanna hear it. So
1: so we were on tour, it was a couple years ago. You guys remember that movie The Nun? Remember that one? Of course.
0: Oh god, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: that flaming piece of shit movie. Uh wait, wait,
0: was that a couple of years ago?
1: That was yeah, that was a couple years ago, I think. I don't know.
2: Oh, Touring shit. kind of blends in. We,
1: we saw it on tour. We T- were, time
0: time
2: that, is that speed. is part we're of somewhere. the, the controverse, right?
1: Oh yeah. I like the Conjuring movies. The, the, I, I mean, I think they're fun. Um, I like most terrible movies. but And those are terrible. But The Nun was like, that's just the same. All right, you just give me a jump scare every 30 seconds. It's the same one.
0: I, I love <clears throat> the character in that movie who they just picked out of a comedy and then dropped in there, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you
2: referring that, to man? The Nun?
0: <laughs> it's a madcap <laughs> comedy. It's, a, it's an old Steve Martin
2: character. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would actually watch that movie though, like old Steve Martin character like, dropped the jerk into a legit era horror Steve movie. Steve Martin.
2: Yeah. That's a that is oh, a hell yeah. Funny idea. I really like that.
0: I guess that's sort of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. A little bit,
2: yeah. A little yeah, bit. Yeah. Oh, that movie's great.
1: Uh, but yeah, so we went to go watch the nun on the road and and before it started, the preview came on and it was it was a preview for a star is born and like I didn't really know that it was a re I knew nothing about this movie. All I know is that this like really dramatic music came up and then it just like faded in. They're like a Bradley Cooper film, a Star is Born, and it showed like I don't remember, like maybe thirty seconds of the movie of like Bradley dipshit talking to what's her face and like
0: <laughs> it was like really dramatic, and then like the
1: music would f- would fade back in, you know, a star is born Bradley Cooper. And we're like oh, okay okay, that's kind of weird, and then, like, there'd be another preview for a completely different movie, and then, after that preview was done, the dramatic swell would come back in, and and it would say, a fucking Bradley Cooper movie, and it was, like, some other scene, I think probably <laughs> one with Sam Elliott, like, oh my no context, just, like, 30 seconds of the movie, and and then, like, I were like, okay, what is this, is this a joke? And then, like, the, the music would come in, a Bradley Cooper, and then it Another completely different trailer would drop. And then yet again, third time's a charm. The fucking, the swell of the music, a Bradley Cooper film. And we're all sitting there being like, okay, what the fuck is this? Is this like some like amazing comedy, like advertising campaign? What is going on here? And also, why the fuck is it happening before we watch The Nun? It was so... So goddamn confusing, and then of course we found out later that it's like actually a, a movie. And, and
2: uh, I couldn't believe there's a there's there's a part of that movie where he like basically wakes up in Dave Chappelle's driveway, and then he walks into Dave Chappelle's house, and you're like, yeah, that was one of the that was one of the clips that uh, from the, the trailer. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's another reason why I was like, this has got to be a comedy, right? Like, why the fuck is Dave Chappelle here? Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's not dropping any jokes, but like he 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 maybe he will. I, yeah, I don't it was yeah, very, they're very like, strange. I think they're
2: best friends or something in the movie. I mean I love Dave Chappelle, it was great to see him, but it's like, wait, you're just at Dave Chappelle's house now and you got there somehow? All right, sure.
0: Um before before we raid a cat, I will share my other uh I've never walked walked out of a movie. I never planned to. Um, you know, if I'm gonna if I hate something, I need to know why I hate it. I very nearly walked out of Knives Out. Um I, I have strong and well-documented hatred for that stupid fucking movie and then i i need to stop talking about it because everyone's like i had fun and like that's great that's how you should rank a movie and not because you're a pretentious asshole who hates everything and hates ryan johnson and hates that fucking awful script that's the embodiment of everything i hate about modern
2: comedy writing anyway
1: gear down there big (laughs) rig what it's a gear down there big rig
2: but uh, that is the, okay, <laughs> we always call it out, and it seldom ends up being it, but Gear Down There, Big Rig is the title of this episode. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, okay, let's rate a cat. Yeah, let's do it. All right.
0: Oh, uh, yay. That sounds like fun. So uh, we, we also asked y'all to send us pictures of your cats oh, uh, for us and Meowch to rate, because it seemed appropriate. Um, I love cats. So let's, let's go first slide. Mm. Um, this is Salem the Cat, sent by Nat.
2: Ooh, right. So uh, I'll um, describe this cat. This is, now bear in mind, I am not a cat owner. I've never been a cat owner. I don't know the right words to describe cats. I'm still not sure what tabby means. This is a stripy cat with maybe a gray background and some whiteness on the mouth and kind of orangish eyes. Uh,
0: really bright orange really eyes. Really bright
2: orange eyes uh wearing in one in one photo the cat is semi-obscured behind some kind of plant and in the other photo the cat is wearing what looks like a little santa style hat like a knit hat with a little uh white poofy thing on the end that's a fucking that's a toque bro that's a i you know i was i wasn't gonna say it (laughs) <laughs> okay, fine. I guess Canadian, you can't, can't, you can't help can't confirm. Yeah. yeah, Canadian, can't confirm. That's a fucking toque, but It's a toque, cat and a toque. Yeah. Um,
0: this is such a duality of man, duality of cat kind of situation because the, the toque photo is like, oh, he's chilling. But then... Uh, the, the second one is like a real Instagram influencer kind of shot, like soft pastels, the plant. It's a much better picture too. Yeah, totally. So I I like the get you a cat who can do both kind of vibe. Uh,
2: how are we rating these cats? Are we using a scale numerical A, B, A through F or what? What are we doing here? Let's just rate it with our own personal scales and it doesn't matter if they align. Uh, this cat is a C plus for me. It's fine. I'm not really into it. Wow. Brutal. Yeah. Look. I gotta be honest. I'm gonna
0: say for me, this is this is like a seven of a cat. You know, like I want to pet that cat.
2: That is actually a lower rating than mine, because a C is a seventy percent. Well, so I'm, ju- I'm just very, that, I'm ju- just putting a that out there. Seven. Okay, it's a juiced you
0: seven. It's a juiced seven. Almost
2: like a C plus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: a C plus plus. Great.
2: For all you coders out there.
1: Uh, I'm going to rate this cat. I'm going to give him five whiskers out of five whiskers. I love his toque, uh, but he looks like a bastard. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> Definitive ranking. Yeah. Um, do we want to do one more before we
2: get into advice? All right, Meowch, do you want to describe uh, cat number two here?
1: Sure. It looks like a adorable little orange kitty. Um,
2: Make sure to say who old. it's who's it from.
1: Oh, who's it from? It's uh, the kitty's name's Oliver from alex uh mm-hmm. so it's oliver uh yeah it's kind of like a little orange kitty um hanging out with some christmas lights <laughs> can and you there's you say, two pictures can
2: you say kitty again just like you did kitty <laughs> yeah that's the one. Thank
1: you. <laughs> oh yeah there's your sound bite bud um kitty? Yeah, he's, he's very festive he's he's gearing up for christmas
0: yeah he's sitting on top of some like christmas lights
1: yeah and i'm sure the little bastard will take him right off the tree as soon as they go up for sure
0: and in the second photo, another orange cat who I believe from the email is uh, Oliver's brother
2: is swatting him on. Oh, her. see, right. I was hoping that that cat had one really long arm.
0: That's what I assumed
2: <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, or that's like the tail wrapping around. Yeah. Okay. So since that's not that cat's arm, this cat is a C minus. I had really high hopes. Mm. And rather than having one very, very long cat arm... It's it's a different cat that doesn't I don't like that, yeah C minus not into it.
0: I'm 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 gonna give this cat a P for I want to pet it. <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> uh, this this kitty's getting um, he's getting five out of five whiskers again. Um, and those Christmas lights are not gonna last. Whatsoever. No, yeah. In
2: fact, that cat is gonna get straight up electrocuted.
1: Oh yeah. That's gonna be that's the Christmas vacation cat scenario for sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can we just real Oh that poor kid real quick go on to this next slide because I think there's something worth talking about here. By the way, we're post we already okay, said that yeah. we're posting all these pictures on our Instagram, so at Leighton oh, cool yeah. uh, underscore, right? Knight. Underscore. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Uh may I may I describe these awful beasts? I would,
2: I would love it, yes.
0: So we have two very strange-looking cats here. Um, they're two different cats. So the first one is an orange cat It's like, a red head, bright yellow eye. Um, looks a lot like a rooster. Um, and these are from Wayne, uh, and neither of these creatures have names. And then the other one is just, like, an abomination, uh, like, uh, uh, covered in white feathers. Is that a, per- uh, is that a person, just- do you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I mean the beak is like open. I, that, that's like straight up cat. There's, it looks like he's been munching on some clovers. Um, so these are these are some some strange cats
2: indeed. Uh, these are the best cats I've ever seen. This is uh, To to quote nineteen ninety nine eBay, a plus 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 ships quick. Ten out of ten would buy again
0: 11 out of 10 for me that's a glowing rating these are great yeah those are two fabulous cocks i will say
1: (laughs) um yeah five whiskers out of five whiskers for sure
2: great all right next question (laughs) great cool i think that was a successful Um, cat rating
0: yeah, we. it's worth noting that um, one of the, the first mini-sode Brian and I recorded was this same deal where we had people send us uh, their pets, and then we described the pets and then gave them names, and we recorded it, we edited it, <laughs> and then I was like, Brian, we can't post this. This sucks. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, so, I think
2: I had a more positive opinion of it than you did. Uh,
0: you certainly did, but it was going to be like our first mini-sode, second official episode, and I was like, this kid, this is not a strong start yep. of us fumbling over describing a creature. It's, it's um, true. And I don't even know if this works now, but whatever, deal with it. If you guys want to hear the, the that mini-sode, um, you got to subscribe
2: to our OnlyFans. I'm going to, hold on. I'm going to loudly eat a pretzel into the mic because I want to see how this sounds.
0: <laughs> don't like that. No, I don't like that either.
2: No, oh so good. Oh.
0: <laughs> can you can you get that like a little bit wetter? Ah, oh.
2: <clears throat> oh, oh, the peanut butter is really sticking to the roof of my mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome to the last episode of Late Night.
2: Yum, whatever.
0: S- creative differences. I, I'm
2: gonna do the opposite of ASMR, which I think I'm gonna call ZSMR. Where I just scream and clip the microphone while eating pretzels.
0: It, you got you guys hear my hear my freak dog losing her mind. What's going on? Creature, creature, where are you? Awful beast. Oh. <laughs> she's she's sitting on my bed across the room and staring at me through my IKEA bookcase. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no. All right. Well, sorry. Um... Okay, I'm going to read one that is, like, art-related. Assuming everything works out okay by August, I'll be starting college with a major in sequential art at Kennesaw State. I'm thrilled, even though it's not quite my dream school. SCAD is just too damn expensive, LMAO. But I'm worried about how to keep interest in art and staying engaged with my work when there's so much pressure put on creating. Schoolwork, having to do art for a job, both while in school and beyond. I do freelance work on the side and take classes at my high school currently, so I'm somewhat used to creating under pressure, but I guess a small part of me fears that I'll lose inspiration and motivation once I get there. TLDR, how do you stay focused and inspired after a big change slash when you literally have to be creating something?
2: This is a Um, great question. Yeah, go for it.
0: Yeah, I pulled this one from the stack. Uh, Oh, and this is from Maggie. Um, Maggie, I went to SCAD for sequential art, um, which was also... Uh, initially my, oh, this is my too expensive choice, but I applied to, you know, all, all the big boys in the United States, uh, SAIC and Micah and RISD and all, Pratt, like all the, you know, you will be in debt forever ones. Um, and SCAD, though too expensive, was the least expensive of the bunch. And I got the biggest scholarships to all those schools and I still, it was rough. If, uh, we hadn't have made Dream Daddy and I hadn't have dropped out, I would have had to drop out anyway. Um. Yeah, I went for two years. Uh, Don't be too bummed about not getting to go to SCAD, especially for the sequential art program. This might be... uh, This is potentially a hot take, but I was miserable the entire time. I regret going. I should have... I was so... I guess my high school, and I know a lot of high schools and just society does this, they put so much pressure on like going to a big-name school that people will recognize. I will say, as having been worked as art director on several projects at this point I couldn't tell you where my employees or anybody on my team went to school it doesn't matter what I want to know is can you answer an email on time and can you do the work uh whatever anyway so they art school puts you in a pressure cooker um and gives you like No space to really gestate on stuff because they just throw you into the deep end and they're like, well, if you hate this amount of work, then you're never going to make it as a freelancer, which I think is kind of bullshit um, because that's true. But if you're trying to learn and get better and you're doing like 25 percent effort on everything because you're taking, you know, four classes and all of them are super overwhelming and too much work. And it's like you you have to fill up a sketchbook in an entire week. So it, it kind of maintaining that um, desire to create when you were just stuck in there, because I remember just being like, I don't want to draw for myself. I don't give a shit about what I'm making right now. Like I'm just doing it to get it done. And the whole point is that you're supposed to be learning through kind of constantly doing this work. But for me, I started taking like really bad shortcuts just so I could get it done. Cause it was better to have a finished piece than not have a piece. Um, but yeah, I, what are y'all's takes on maintaining inspiration? Because I'm, I'm I gotta sit on that for a minute um, when there's so much pressure.
1: You really, really love art school. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to go going back,
2: eh? I mean, it, it's it's hard. Anything that the moment something becomes a thing you have to do, it loses a little bit of the magic, right? Um, and that's true for, for me, that was true for physics. That was true for music a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, and it, for me, it, this is relevant. Like this is interesting to me because I went through a career change, right? Where I went from music being a hobby. I mean, it was something I studied in school. My undergraduate degree is, is music and math. So I was a music major, uh, at Williams. And, uh, and then I was a, you know, hobbyist or whatever until i quit physics to do ninja sex party and then i was like okay well this is my full-time job now uh so i as you know as an adult like had to go from hey this is something fun i get to do on the side to this is something i now have to do full-time which is a tremendous thing and i'm very lucky to be able to do it of course like do not interpret this as Hey oh, I wish I was you know I wish I'd never done that. Of course, I'm not saying that. I can't believe how lucky I am that I get to be a full time musician, but it is it's it it is definitely a challenge to to keep creating and it for me the 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 biggest thing is not the uh the inspiration thing it's that I have to run my own business. You know, with with Danny and with with Brent, who are the you know basically the the other two people that that deal with NSP, uh, NSP. but it's the challenges of having to deal with all the annoying financial business running stuff uh, at the same time as being creative, and the only way I have to say I haven't found a consistent way of maintaining excitement and inspiration i'd say 90 percent of the time i'm super excited and you know we just we we sit down to do it and we do it and it's great but uh i don't have a great strategy i know what works for some people and this to to a limited extent has worked for me is uh set aside you know chunk out your day into times like you create from whatever you know Eight to ten in the morning, and then you take a few hours off, and then you run, you know, do business stuff for a few hours, and then you're writing again, you know, and or drawing or whatever uh for another couple hours. Like some people find it that that structure to be really, really, really useful. I personally have never imp- been successful in implementing uh, that, but it's, eight, it's hard. Eight it's to really ten? Hard. Are
1: you fucking serious, bro? Eight to ten? Yeah. Hey, I I, <laughs> I, I
2: definitely find I write. <laughs> If I can get an early start, I write a lot of my best stuff, you know, right after waking up and having breakfast.
1: Oh, for
0: sure. Fully yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely more of a night owl kind of person, but I f- if I wake up at like 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., I'm just like knocking it out. And I, a big part of it is like building up the momentum <clears> of going from like, this is probably a thing I was I was going to say for another question, because a lot of them are very kind of along the same lines, but when you're starting work, you don't want to just go in dry I suppose you like want to warm up like if you're going to exercise or go for a run you got to stretch first if you're going to draw you need to warm up first if you're going to write also warm up like I was mentioning on the last episode but um uh, but it's good to get stuff under your belt that you intentionally put in a zone that is lower stakes so a thing that I'll do a lot when I'm you know getting into drawing instead of just trying to like line a piece immediately which if you haven't warmed up you're just going to feel like a shit artist because of course it's not going to look good. Um, But I will write, do bad drawings at the top of the page and then intentionally do a bunch of like me trying to do a shit drawing. And it like nine times out of 10, when I do that, I end up having a page of like shit that's really interesting and that I can kind of carry into like my more quote unquote serious work for the day. And like, I think... There are times where like being in a pressure cooker really inspires a lot of creativity because I think putting gates on what you're doing or limitations really force you to be more creative. Mm -hmm. But then there are times where it's just like, how could I pot? Like I have the thing about creativity being that you have this entire world of like you have every word, you have a blank page, like you could do anything. That's so daunting. And with the additional pressure, it like, you know, it's like when you get up to speak and like all the words fall out of your head, like it's too much pressure you gotta you gotta start small break it up into manageable chunks and if you're not you know really feeling it creatively one day that doesn't mean that you're not an artist or that you're not doing a good job like we have a limited you know uh, uh, capacity to hold energy and um if you all are familiar with um spoon theory have you heard of spoon spoon theory no uh it's this idea that you know uh uh, that applies to mental illness mostly but like for example at the beginning of every day You have a pile of spoons and every activity that you do expends spoons. So maybe like going to the store is a spoon or, you know, uh, going to class and doing homework is two spoons. Mm. Um, But it's just sort of like how much energy do I have to spend today? And, you know, if you're dealing with depression or anxiety, you start the day with fewer spoons. Or if you expend all your energy in one day, you will go into the next day with fewer spoons. And so like spoon management is a nice shorthand for like – yeah, if you did a lot of shit today, and then you're sitting down and trying to write, like, don't be too hard on yourself that you're not that you're not full productivity. Um, totally. creativity is like, you know, nothing. Nothing in nature is stays all year. Like everything has a natural ebb and flow. It's like the tide going in and coming back in. Just know that it'll come back.
2: The one thing I would say that kind of goes along with that is, and I, I think I may have even said this before. I say this a lot to. Uh, people asking, like, how do I do this? Is never wait for, not, sorry, not never. Don't only just wait for inspiration. Like, th- that's a great way of never getting anything really done um, for, for any kind of creative field. Like, you know, you, you'll ebb and flow for sure, but you gotta make a habit out of out of doing it. Even when you're not inspired, do something. Like if it, just 30 seconds, whatever it is, get it out there, do a thing. Because if you just wait, this is something I think a lot of younger people—I'll uh, just say—I do wrong. You know, I'm not gonna—I'm not inspired today, so I'm not gonna do anything. If you're doing it as a job, do it, and maybe you just throw it out, and maybe you don't—you know—you don't like it or whatever. But certainly, some of the times, it's going to end up being something you like, and as you do it, you'll get inspired to continue. So don't wait for inspiration to start doing stuff.
0: And that was a common refrain through all these emails and I'm sure with some questions that we'll answer uh, after this one where it's like you have to get out of your own way. The only thing stopping you from making the thing is being in your own head about it or, uh, you know, you just have to start and do it. And I think there's so many people who have who are creative and who want to be an artist or who want to be a writer. And it's like you're not going to get that to that point if you allow yourself to be Paralyzed out of making something, especially, and that's like such a bummer and a shame. If the only thing stopping you is you, totally. Well, what about Meowch, What's I your take? Just about to ask. <laughs>
1: uh, you guys covered all the bases, I think. <clears throat> Not much <laughs> to add. Other than that, you know. Yeah, just fucking, uh, you know, get up and do it. If it sucks, it sucks. Just do it again. Yeah, room. the only
0: way to improve is just by failing a a whole hell of a lot. Oh yeah, you gotta. And I think you
1: gotta suck before you're good. And yeah, and
0: there's there's a lot of freedom in like really sucking at something like it's fun to pick up a new hobby and just be like, I'm shit at this and I'm gonna be shit at it for a long time. But it it, you know, it's what we were talking about, like that takes the pressure off of you of not feeling like you have to be brilliant at it immediately. Yeah.
2: And, And so I mean, this is a big thing for me in science too. like the difference between science and art is in science, you can spend hours, days, months, years working on something, and then have it be like objectively wrong at the end so and this happened I I certainly I have drafts of papers that we wrote that we spent months on me and collaborators where at the end we were like uh I guess this isn't working okay can't put it out the end um the nice thing about art is there's no right or wrong and you can like you know sometimes the science you come back and you figure out how to fix it. it it happens uh sometimes there's just a fatal flaw you didn't see and I feel like that happens less often in art. Like, sometimes you'll get to the end of something and be like, well, that didn't really work. But maybe you come back the next day or next year or whatever, and you're like, oh, actually, I like that. Because it's just, you know, about subjective opinion. Um, but
0: Yeah, that, that's a yeah. thing that I like to ask people about a lot. Like, in school, there usually is sort of a delineation of people who are really good at math and science but not as good at like English and history and art and then there's the inverse of that where you're really good at English and history but not as good as at math or science and of course there are people who are good at all of them or whatever but I, I think it's sort of because like I have been abysmal at math and science my entire life like I, I, I would be like straight A plus on everything and then a D in math. This is sort of a lie because I was a big sciencey person for a long time and like competed in state competitions and did well whatever but you know I think with math and science it's like There is usually the one correct answer, and if you follow the rules and follow the facts, you will arrive at the one correct answer, which I'm sure Brian is a physicist. You refute me on that, whatever. I just mean in terms of high school math problems or whatever. But with, like, English and such, if you can bullshit into the answer, you're probably correct. Like, it's sort of like you have the wide range of subjective stuff, and as long as you can kind of formulate it and phrase it the right way, like... You're
2: right. Yeah. With science, you know, with, with like research science, there's not a right answer necessarily. Like you're trying to figure something out. In the kind, you know, if you're a biologist or whatever, like there's often you're just trying to figure out how something works. And sometimes you figure out it and sometimes you don't, but it's not necessarily like sometimes the result is just the result, right? It's not that there's a right mm-hmm. or wrong thing you're looking for. And the kind of thing I did, which was mathematically based, you know, it's theoretical physics you're doing. Uh, you know, pencil and paper math or computer-aided math. Like, sometimes you go down some path. It's not necessarily that there's something wrong. I mean, your initial guess for how things work might have been wrong. But sometimes there are just problems that you're like, okay, we got this to a point And I don't know, like, for sometimes for mathematical reasons or sometimes for theoretical, like, physics reasons, uh, you just can't proceed anymore because there, it becomes an unsolvably hard thing. And you know, that that's that's what you, you get to. And sometimes you just can't deal with it. And occasionally, you get to a point where it becomes unsolvably hard and then someone invents a technique to solve it or you invent it because you're trying to figure out how to solve this fucking problem. And then you just keep going. A, a lot of, you know, famously there are fields of mathematics that were invented on the way to solving, on the way to proving for Ma's last theorem. Um, you know, people talk about algebraic geometry being, uh, being this. Like sometimes you're trying to solve a really hard thing and the detours and little byroads you take to get there end up being interesting in and of themselves. Um, so, that's, so with science, I wouldn't say generally with research science there's a right or wrong answer. You, everything is just sure. a, a process. And sometimes you get to a point where you're like, well, I don't think I can say any more about this and it doesn't really add up to enough of a result.
0: Yeah, that was definitely a generalization from me. And I think I brought it up because I wanted to ask me Meowch, were you like math and science boy or were you, you know, uh, uh, English history sort of deal? Uh, what do you think?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. I...
2: <laughs> what do you think?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, I mean that's that's such a like trap question, like uh uh how old do you think I am? <laughs> it's like there's no answer that either of us are gonna be pleased with. Uh well
1: I mean like I in high school, like I would, I did fine and did my advanced math and pre cal and I liked science and physics and biology. I liked all those things. I was I was okay at them. I they were never like passion for me, so I never really pursued them beyond just getting a decent grade from my mom. Um, Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed art class and music and, you know, all that other stuff way more. Pursued that.
0: Cool. Yeah. Would we like to rate another cat? Yeah. Yeah, let's do a kitty. Next slide. Okay, so this is Blue from Riley. Um, It's a beautiful little is that a Siamese cat maybe I I think maybe not but the coloring is similar um and appropriately named because this cat has like the bluest eyes I've ever seen on a cat like bright teal beautiful sitting on like the bottom bit of a stool where the little paws are hanging over the bar that connects the stool legs wistful
2: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, are we?
0: <laughs> we're all just we're just contemplating this cat. <laughs> I'm just lost in the eyes. To be this, honest, the, the blue. You guys talking seriously? about
2: the blue of <laughs> of this cat's eyes is really really remarkable. Outstanding.
0: Um, I'm transfixed.
2: <clears throat> uh, this cat.
0: This is like an outstanding cat.
2: I went into this thinking that I was not going to rate any cat higher than a B because not really a cat person. This cat's a A minus. I really like it. That's high praise for me. That's a, this is this is a <laughs> Ryan, this is an A minus cat.
0: As a former professor, what was your like grading ethos? Were you a like the highest you can get is an A minus because you can always do better? Or no, no, you know, I were, mean, were I you? just I, I
2: wrote <laughs> exams and homeworks that could be done and then never needed. You know, gr- grading on a curve is not something really people do anymore because then. So if you really grade on a curve, then some percentage of the class is guaranteed to fail or whatever, right? That's just what a curve means. So I always gave fair exams and then just did it based on the percentage correct. And generally, like my goal was always if you kind of did the basic work, you can, you know, do great on the exam. Um, And like, yeah, no, I was not a harsh grader at all. I will say that, because I was a professor in England, there's something kind of fucked up about the British exam system, where a lot of the exams. So you know, for most u- universities in England, uh, I realize we're getting off topic on this cat, which is still an A minus. Um, the most universities in England they do all the exams at the end of the year for the whole like academic year. So you take all these classes, and mm-hmm. then all the exams are at the at the end, uh, and a lot of them are the exams are essentially modeled on the exam from the previous year. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the ways people study is they just get an old exam, try to do it again, and then, you know, do all the old exams. And then because most, uh, faculty professors, whatever, uh, operate like this, the exam will be a relatively small tweak on the previous year's exam. Um, and so when I took over the class that I taught, which was statistical physics, I taught it a different way and had to write a totally different exam to be consistent with the way I was teaching the class. And although I said this many, many times to the students, like, it's not going to be the same as last year's exam. It's going to be modeled on the homework I give not last year's exam. Uh, People, you know, people who listened to that did very well. The people who were just studying old exams Mm. didn't do very well. So I definitely got some... Some angry students, which I feel bad about, of course. So, you know, I wanted to be fair. But... Uh, I mean, you told them. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I was operating in a... You know, I'm also an American in a British system. and it, I wasn't trying to, like, reinvent the wheel or anything. I was just like, it's not going to be the same as what you're used to. But a lot of people also... You know, I didn't take attendance or anything like that. I'm not going to take attendance at a college-level class. Uh, if you didn't show up, you didn't hear that. So, you know... But no, I was never, I was never, ever harsh. Uh, but I did teach it, you know, a reasonably high level. Like I didn't pander to, uh, to, I, I didn't make the class like super, super easy. But I think, you know, mm. I tried to be very, very fair when it came to grading. And because I've had teachers, you know, when you go to a physics grad school, some of your teachers are like one person in this class will get an A. Uh, it's, uh, that sucks. I, I hate that. It's just so demoralizing. So I always wanted to be fair. And
0: it's also like it it feels more punitive than educational.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely I took a lot of classes where like the highest grade that anyone in the class got in an exam was like a 50 out of 100. Mm. And, you know, it's just kind of some professors just like to make really hard exams. And then you can't like design that you can't do most of it. I I think that's bullshit. I hate the, you know, like flog people into submission way of it, testing
0: yeah it's very counterproductive um that i i don't get to hear you talk about uh pr- professor stuff a lot so that's really interesting to me um but let's let's rate this cat
2: uh with that in mind uh a minus i'm not changing my opinion just because i went on a little digression it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a solid it's a solid cat this is still an a minus
0: damn it my plans were foiled <laughs> I'm going to give this cat a plus just to spite Brian. Also those eyes just stunning.
2: Jeepers creepers.
1: Where'd you get them peepers? Five out of five whiskers. Wow. Oh my God. Look at those beautiful eyes. I'm just going to barf on the floor immediately after this photo is taken. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, Blue. Also best color. Love it. So good. So nice.
0: Yeah. Gorgeous. Um, let's do one more cat and then we'll go back to questions. Um, uh, meowch, Would you describe this cat? Sure.
1: This is a <clears throat> this is a Midna from Rachel. Uh, it's a big kind of shaved, got a shaved gut, uh, kind of splayed out on the floor. It's got some brown fur. It's got some white fur. Uh, looking like the cat partied a little too hard the night before, passed out, and then their other cat buddy shaved the gut as a prank. I think that's what happened with this cat um yeah and then in a second photo definitely the cat just <clears throat> looks like the cat just ate an entire pizza to themselves
0: uh <laughs>
1: trying trying to work out the hangover from the night before um
0: yeah that that is totally how i was going to st- describe that second picture like that is the essence of being hung over oh that
1: is just that is just shame yeah <laughs> that's just a portrait of shame right there
0: I'm not sure how much I can emphasize how, like, the primary feature of this cat is the shaved gut. Like, that tongue, That big old tongue. It's so
2: pink and hairless. It's crazy. It, it really does... <laughs> this big old it, it does tumble. not look natural. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah.
0: But I want to touch it so bad. I want to give him a little scratchy. Yeah,
2: for sure. Uh, um, the, all right. I guess this cat is a C. It's fine. Whatever. Cute stomach. Not much else going on for me jesus christ I'm,
0: I'm gonna say like nine 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 point five
2: cool
1: nine five right on very cool i'm gonna give this kitty um five whiskers out of five whiskers uh really on board with uh you know they like to have a good time they like to party down um and uh you know they know how to recover the next day i feel
0: i just want to keep staring at the second photo it, like, the, the eyes really just bore into your soul. Oh, the eyes
1: say, in so many words, I've made a huge mistake.
0: It, it's such a, like, it, it, with the gut, too. Like, a, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the day of my kitten's wedding. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Um, uh, let, let's do... Meowch, would you like to read a question? I do want to pick one that is, like, a little bit more uh, geared towards you, because Brian and I have been monologuing.
1: Uh yeah, sure. Um my name is Natalia. Uh my question is for everyone. What chord progression speaks to your soul? What mood does it evoke and why? Uh I mean I'll I'll take i I'll take a crack at this one. Give me that two five one baby. Oh shit. Give me that, give me that two five one. I had to say it first, it was steal your answer. Uh <laughs> yeah, give me two fives for fucking days, bud. lay them out.
2: Uh yeah, the the so t- to be specific about what Miyatch is talking about, usually it's uh in in a scale, it's two minor seven, five seven, one. Um, in major anyway. Those chords change a little bit if you're in minor. Um and it's like the stereotypical like jazz turnaround or whatever. You know, it's how you resolve the the, the key you're in, typically. It's like a classic jazz pattern. Oh, preach, baby.
0: Can you um are there like songs that you could uh, name specifically if people would like to hear? What that sounds like?
2: Literally every jazz song. <laughs> like, All here, right. hold, is this going to come through? Oh, I was just going to do it. Do it. That's it. There it is. <laughs> 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 beautiful don't do oh fuck he beat me to it <laughs> gotcha. uh god i'm like gr- grinning ear to ear right now well, one, <laughs> one i've always liked it's kind of a classic uh again a jazz turnaround which is like how you at the end of a verse you get back to the, the beginning is uh it's from this tad dameron tune called ladybird it's one
0: the, the uh, ladybird turnaround is that where greta gerwig spins in a circle mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it, it's uh, the chord progression usually is one let's say major uh, one major and one major seven uh, flat three major seven flat six major seven flat two major seven one so in C it sounds like I don't know if you guys can hear this
1: oh yeah that's a good one, one? yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And it's a way oh, of it's kind of resolving. It's, it, it takes you out of the key a little bit. And uh, so in C, is for example, in C major, those chords would be E flat major 7, A flat major 7, D flat major 7, none of which uh, are in C major at all. Uh, and it's just a cool little like way to spice things up at the end of a verse. Yeah, I love
1: it. Big fan.
0: So those are your favorites. Uh, do you find that when you're writing your own music, you incorporate those a lot, or are there ones that you like tend
2: to lean on a bit more? Never. I never use that shit. Like it's because I don't. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't really write. In it's that your favorite style. To hear. I just I, I like I like it. Um, wh- what it does, it, I would say I use it. I don't use that exactly, but I will always look for chords out of the key I'm writing in to do to go to for a second to like spice things up and. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of, it, it often I'll think like, oh, well, what if I went to, you know, the flat three here or whatever uh, you're writing in major to to go out of the key for a second and then bring yourself back. And that's what that does really well. Pops out of the key for a second and then brings it back home.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm not allowed to use two five ones anymore. I, my license was revoked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Me, do, you, do you have stuff that you gravitate towards in your own work?
1: Uh, writing? Uh... Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I'm kind of a shit writer. That's not my strong point. Um, Phobos and Song are far more talented um, writers when it comes to laying out chords, um, and
2: uh, at least in the context of twerp.
0: Well, okay, so there's a, there's another question that might speak to that a little bit more. Brian, would you read the one that I highlighted?
2: All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Blaze, they, them. Oh, Blaze? Blaze, Yeah. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. And Blaze says they're curious about uh, the creative process when doing more, when doing backing instrumentals for songs. So, for example, I know Dr. Sung had mentioned once that Meowch and Have take the songs Sung and Phobos right and, quote, make them funky, unquote. I'm curious to know how the making it funky works. Thank you.
0: That's the episode title, so How the Making, how the it, making funky works. it Funky
2: Works. I love that. Uh, so, Meowch, how do you make it funky?
1: How do you make it funky? Oh man, uh, there's lots of ways to make something funky. I guess if you wanted to break it down, uh, th- the man Bootsy Collins has a—he's got that basic funk formula, man. He breaks it down real good. Um, you describe. You you throw down the one, you make that one really pop, and then you kind of just uh, you wiggle around until you come back around to the one. Um, in so many words. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of different ways. You can get into, like, syncopation. You can get into, like, ghost notes, certain things like that. Um, playing playing fun. What's
0: a ghost note? That sounds spooky.
1: A ghost note, yeah, it's a very haunted note. Um, it will uh, kind of haunt a song a little bit. Uh, ghost note is like... Um, oh, I'm
2: sorry, I, I don't believe in ghost notes.
1: Oh, uh, we have a skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost note is like a, not quite a note, more of a percussive uh, rhythmic thing you can do.
2: It, yeah. It's it's like you you hit the note, but kind of don't lean into it all the way. Note basically doesn't sound kind of. So yeah. it's like often with ghost notes, it's a kind of thing where you can like infer it based on a pattern, but you don't actually hit it. So it's almost like there's just a little wisp of where the note should have been.
0: Could either of you uh, give us a little taste of that?
1: Sure. Yeah. So all the little like hiccups and uh,
2: yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, does it
1: make a little more sense?
2: And I mean, typically, this is something you hear a lot. You know, I'm a sax player too. So on sax, you'll see all these things where it's just it's almost like the air is there. But so it's not quite the percussive thing that Miach was doing on bass, but it's like the air, the breath is there, but not the pitch.
0: Brian, can we ever get you to play sax on the show?
2: Yeah, sure, but not today. <laughs> so I have to set it up.
0: <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> not today, Layton. Not, not today, Layton.
2: <laughs> I can't
0: believe I've never gotten that one before.
2: Um, yeah, me neither.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, there was this game that I used to play with my cousins where we would, you know, you do the thing where you take the first letter of your name and you put it in front of every word because that's the kind of bullshit, stupid game that children play. Like what? Give me play. an example of this. I, like, you know, uh, Lee, Len, Lai, Luzin's Laraline and Lara, uh, you know, that kind of uh-huh. thing. So uh, my cousin, Sarah, uh, that automatically Sorry, made I you mean Satan. Lara. Lara. Yeah. My cousin, Lara, uh, (laughs) whose name starts with an S. Um, uh, my, my relatives caught her calling me Satan. And then we got a very stern talking to about how we couldn't play that game anymore and how I shouldn't be called Satan. (laughs) Shouldn't be invoking the name of the devil. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, then we weren't allowed to play that game anymore.
2: Uh, to, to get back to this question a little bit, like with, with backing stuff, uh, I, I, I don't I, I don't think this answers the question quite in the way the person was intending, but my philosophy and all this stuff is surround yourself with good musicians and didn't, then just let them go. Like, don't worry about <laughs> uh, prescribing too many things that are going to happen in the background. Do a bunch of takes, but trust good people to be good. And then, you know, something's almost always going to, going to happen. And that's, that's what uh, we do with twerp. Like, you know, we we write these NSP tunes. We send them to, to, to twerp. And sometimes we'll have things like, okay, we got to have this line or this particular thing. But, I Miach, mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, most of the stuff you guys do is not, for NSP stuff anyway, is not prescribed by us ahead of time, right? No,
1: I mean, uh, usually, yeah, when we get a song from you guys, um, and I find the best way to do it is almost, don't... Don't sit with it too long. Yep. Uh, Work out the changes. Make sure you know what's what, but kind of like have that little bit of spontaneity uh, in a recording session.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's so much more fun, too. uh,
1: It's way more fun, and and you end up getting like way, way better results, I find, doing that. It doesn't work with all musicians, but we're all – enough of us have like um, an improvisational background or some kind of, you know – jazz schooling or music schooling where we know we know how to just feel something out as yeah, opposed yeah, to, yeah. like, reading it directly from a sheet.
2: No, for sure. And the other <clears> thing is I would never... I mean, I've been in bands with musicians not as good as you guys uh, who needed everything spelled out ahead of time. But oh, I hate that
1: shit. I, I
2: hate it, too, <laughs> and, you know, it's like... I don't want to be, even though I love his music, I don't want to be Frank Zappa where it's like... No, you've got to play this note in this way, you know. Like it's seems to me seems joyless. It's yeah. It's just. I mean, I I think it can be you know very exhilarating when it's done right. But it seems that's not the kind of person I want to be. Where it's like I'm in charge, do it my way. That's uh, okay. Like that. That's not how I enjoy being.
0: Well, building off of that question and what you guys just said, um we got an email from B who asks, when working creatively in a group, how do you balance following your own creative vision for something with the perhaps slightly different visions of everyone else? Particularly when you're limited in the amount of content you can create, as in you can't just solve the issue by eventually getting to everyone's ideas.
2: Uh, yeah, This is a challenge. This one's hard. Um, so obviously the big one in my life uh, is Ninja Sex Party. Uh, and it is a constant you know, discussion. And the, the thing that Danny and I said from the beginning is no egos like we throw out ideas and then we're honest with each other about what we like and what we don't like now I will say Dan has much stronger ideas about what he likes and doesn't like than I do I tend to be pretty easygoing with like yeah that's cool let's try that Dan is much more likely to be like nope I hate that I don't want to do that which is great like I mean (laughs) there's not a better or worse way to be Um,
0: which I also think is important for like you need to have the different creative approaches uh for stuff sorry to interrupt your uh, train a little bit too much but i i think that that having those kinds of differences is really valuable and important
2: I, i totally totally agree and at least with me like if you know occasionally i will even when dan says i don't like that i will fight for it if i really believe in it that's like maybe one out of every five times uh most of the time it's like all right cool let's try something else and now dan and i write with our producer jim roach Uh, so what will typically happen with the music is Jim and I will write something together. Occasionally we'll bring our own things in and then, you know, Dan will be like, like that, like that, don't like that, et cetera. Um, but there is a, uh, it's just a constant, constant discussion. And the other thing is you, I I think the wrong way to think about it is make sure everyone gets an equal amount of time. That's just impossible to, to do. Like what is... what is an idea equal in terms of time? Like there's just no way to, to realistically do that. Uh, the important thing is that everybody feels heard and valued and that most of that is not necessarily in what gets used in the song. It's how people respond to each other with artistic feedback. Um, so I think that's, that's the most important part of that is like if you're treating people respectfully and being honest, then that's 90% of, uh, of that battle. So I don't think about it as like an equal time uh, thing.
0: Yeah, and I speaking to it from a game development perspective, you know, you are a team of a bunch of different people from a bunch of different disciplines. You have your programmers, you have your 3D modelers, you have your artists, you have your writers, you have your director, your producer, whatever. It Making a game is such a ultimate team effort and ultimately what you all want out of it is to have the best product possible and it really is about balancing a, like when people come from di- different disciplines and this is like certainly not a knock on programmers at all but like especially having been an art director there is sort of a disconnect in the communication styles where it's sort of like what i was talking about earlier with this like one right answer versus you know sort of a subjective like a uh, kind of nebulous thing where you know, you have to learn to bridge that gap between two things that are like very, very different conceptually that require different approaches. And a lot of times it turns into, um, you know, a programmer being like, I, well, to do this thing that you want me to do, I need you to be way more specific and like pretty much tell me exactly how this needs to be, whereas like that can't really happen. So it, it, it all sort of like boils down to how you're how you're communicating and how you're keeping it constructive. Um, And then, you know, you have to keep the ego out of it. It's about making the good thing. And if you're in any position to be choosing who you're working with, you want people that you trust. And, you know, you need to know what your limits are and what your weaknesses are and what other people's strengths are that can back up and and, uh, compensate for your weaknesses. Like. If you don't know how to do a thing, you find the person who knows how to do the thing and you trust
2: them. And I think it's important also to, uh, I mean, game development has this much more than most music, but sometimes people are just in charge and you got to do what they say and rely on them for the final word. So I think it's, you know, it's important to know what one's role is in the power structure of any uh, relationship, right? That I'm not saying that, like, you know, you you should just roll over and say, okay, you're in charge, whatever, all the time. But sometimes that's kind of the structure of a way thing is, like this person's in charge and I got to do what they say. Um, Yeah,
0: and it's a lot of like choosing the hill to die on, you know. for sure. Um, You don't – I've seen teams just get totally like broken down by everyone being totally obstinate about what's happening, and it's like, oh, this is – you know – time and resources and getting something done quickly cuz game development is so intense especially in the indie space it's like you don't have time to to be getting into like spats over stuff like it, it's so counterproductive um and again it's about making the good thing not who contributed the most to this good thing yeah. or who had the best ideas for this thing or how much of it ended up in the final project like it, it's completely a process that's iterative and uh, especially with like, wait, was this in this question or was this in another question? Oh, in terms of like limited in the content that you create, uh, I mean, that's just inherently how make, taking a product, project from start to finish works.
2: Yep. Hey, Meowch, how does twerp work with this stuff? Like, what is your dynamic for getting stuff in there? I mean, Sung and Phobos right? Right, 90%, 99%, whatever percentage it is. They write pretty much Uh, everything, right, in terms of the basic structure?
1: It's changed over the years. Um, Recently, the last few albums we've done have been far more collaborative than that, Uh, just by the nature of... We do writing retreats now, so like we gear up for a record, we'll go in, and everyone will have little bits and pieces, but it's less of fully arranged songs. Um, so now when we write, well, someone will have a, an idea structure, maybe like an AB first chorus or just a riff. And then we'll all sit around and just shed it. And it kind of doesn't matter who comes up with what part or if it changes down the road. Um, the way we gauge if something works is normally if we all start laughing hysterically, we know that we've got a winner and we'll keep it. Usually the dumbest idea wins. Yeah. <laughs> If it makes us laugh, then, then we, we've got it. We've got something nailed down.
0: It, it, that was totally the deal with Dream Daddy, too, of just, like, if this makes everybody laugh, we're running with it, even if it's, especially if it's stupid. And I think so much of the good shit in Dream Daddy that resonated with people was just us being like, will they let us get away with this? Like, are we allowed?
2: <laughs> for, yeah, for, for NSP, it's, it, we're in an interesting uh, space, because we want the music to be awesome and the jokes to be funny. And we also don't want to go, we don't want to be pornographic or gross. Um, you know, the, the way we think about it is a lot of our, actually uh, it, as we go on, uh, like the sexual content of our songs has decreased quite a bit since what it was originally. I think it's just because of what, you know, it's not really a conscious choice. It's just like we're just writing what we find funny. But from the beginning, we never wanted it to be, like, gross. Uh, and so we're constantly, we're not only, so we just have a musical question, which is, you know, chords and melody and that, that kind of thing. But we also have a comedy question, which is, is this funny? Is it funny enough? And is it crossing some line that we don't want to cross? And that's, that is a, the music, like we can all agree on very, very easily. The comedy stuff, I mean, we agree on 99% of it, but that's something where uh, there are a lot of discussions with me and Dan and Jim, uh, Jim Rocher, producer, uh, that, you know, is like, all right, was this too far over some imaginary line uh, or or what? So I think adding the comedy into it, uh, especially, you know, in the kind of comedy space we work in is it's an, it's an extra challenge. Uh, cause we really like, you know, we're not trying to be like edgy or anything like that. I hate that word and I hate that mode of being, but, uh, we definitely, we want to be funny, but not offend anyone. And that's a hard line to, to walk.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, another thing that kind of helps that out in terms of, you know, you're kind of lining out wanting to be good music, wanting to be funny. Um, Excuse me. If you're working on a team, it's really important to have the mutuality of definition where uh, constantly making sure that everyone kind of has these tangible things that you can work towards and that like definitionally, you defi- definitionally, fuck it, whatever, you know what you're doing um, and sort of having these um, goalposts of like, what does this thing that we're making need to accomplish? And of course, like chunking this up of like, okay, we need this scene to have this, this, and this. And, you know, uh, just making sure that there are guidelines because people's take on things are so different and so subjective. And unless you're checking in constantly about that stuff, you're not going to know what the other person's, like, you know, mental conception of the thing is. It's, like, about making sure everyone has the same internal vocabulary and uh, all knowing, okay, these are, like, the pillars of what this project is. Are we reaching these pillars in a tangible way?
2: All right. Meowch, this next segment is called What's Poppin'? And check out this theme song. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? All right. What did you think of the theme song?
1: It's, I like, I like the space in it. It's very, uh, calming.
2: Great. Brian. Yes. What's poppin'? Well, Layton, what's poppin' for me? Real quick, I'm reading this book. I really love. It's by A.R. Moxon, and it's called The Revisionaries. It's pretty recent, last several months, I think. And I'm only about 150 pages into it, but it's like a, a comic novel. Uh, right now, the main thing that uh, is going on is there's a uh, a kind of like priest guy who's not a real priest, but whatever. Who sees a man that keeps blinking in and out of existence, and he's trying to figure out what's going on with it? Uh, that is a vastly oversimplified version of what's happening right now, but it's uh, good pitch though. It's a yeah, it's like the you, you you just start reading it, you're just immediately in. It's really well written. It's really funny. Uh, it's really great. I just I'm you know, I think it's I'm probably about a I don't know a fifth or something like that of the way through it. Super readable and great. The Revisionaries by A.R. Moxon. Check it out. Leighton, what's popping with you?
0: Ooh, um, I'm going to say I recently... Somebody tipped me off about this band a while ago, um, and I was like, oh, that's cool, but I didn't give it like a deep listen. Um, are y'all familiar with Twin Temple? No. It is... Uh, 50s like throwback sort of Amy Winehousey doo-wop but they're all all the songs are about fucking
2: Satan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's wait, wait, so weird.
2: Oh, As in they're about Satan or they're about they're, having they're like sex 50, with Satan.
0: Yeah, they're like like 50s doo-wop but the, the, you know love songs but they're all about like Lucifer. Um there's a song called called Satan is a woman. Uh there's Lucifer my love and they're all just like so really, really good. And if you look up pictures of them, it's just like the most goth Tinder looking for a third couple. <laughs> it's That's like, so we what are they called like again? Twin temple. Twin. Yeah. Look them up. Cause temple. it's. Temple.
2: So when you first started saying that you said they're about fucking Satan. Yeah. And I thought they were literally about having sex with the devil. All of them.
0: I mean, most of them are.
2: That's great.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if either of you are looking at these pictures of them, but it's just such a fucking vibe.
1: (laughs) Holy fuck. Yep, sure is.
0: (laughs) Where's the one where they're like open mouth making out while they're (laughs) playing guitar? It's really good. Um, Oh, I love it. Yep. Anyway, so I highly, highly recommend them. They're fabulous. And I think they only have the one album out, so it's a pretty quick listen. (laughs) Commander Meowch. What's poppin'?
1: What's poppin'? Oh, uh what have what have I been doing? Uh I've been playing I've what's poppin' is this, this video game that I found. I'm loving the fuck out of it. I'm playing it on my stream. It's Jurassic Park. It's a Jurassic Park game. Um it's called Jurassic World Evolution. It was like a roller coaster tycoon kind of game. But it's Jurassic Park and there's dinos and they're wonderful and sometimes they break out and eat the guests. And
0: uh, yeah, there was a really delightful moment the other night while we were on a Discord call. Where most of us were playing Animal Crossing and Meowch was playing the Jurassic Park game and we're all like, "Oh, look, we're in the museum. There's butterflies." And then Meowch is like, "Oh no, the T-Rex is out." "Oh no." "Oh no."
1: He ate like he ate yeah. like 50 people, man. It's not good for the park rating. <laughs> um, that
0: Yelp rating is going down real quick. Fucking
1: yeah, it sucked um yeah no i love it it's very relaxing and it's it's a nice kind of game to have discovered during this nice uh quarantine lockdown kind of thing
0: the t-rex ate 50 people very relaxing
1: not for those people but for me (laughs) more relaxing for me yeah they were they were mostly screaming and running yeah (laughs) cool deeply
0: about it uh shall we move on to our final segment
2: Yes, we shall. Do you want to explain what this segment is?
0: Yes. So, Meowch, there's a thing that my aunt and uncle do with my nieces every night at dinner where they go around the table and they share peaches and lemons, um, which is sort of like an exercise in gratitude. So they share one lemon, something that was like a bummer or disappointing or whatever, and then three peaches, each of which is like a thing they're excited about or grateful for or, you know, looking forward to. And I'm going to say uh, last week we did not do any lemons. I'm going to say also this week only peaches.
2: Great.
0: Brian, would you like to start? Uh, so To give sure. me out your moment to think about it. I, I keep remembering, like, oh, yeah, we sort of need to warn the guests of, like, sort of think about this a little bit. Oh, we yeah. Never
1: do. I'd yeah. Go, do me less. I it's, need an example for sure.
2: Cool. All right. I'll go first. Uh, first, Peach, uh, we took the training wheels off Audrey's bike. Oh, yay. Yeah. I'm teaching wow. her to ride a bike, and it's... Really cute, and she's having a great time. Uh, she did <laughs> plow into a, a parked car yesterday. She's totally <laughs> That's fine. a big moment,
0: Cla- classic Bye. bike riding experience.
2: Yep, uh, did a tiny bit of damage to the side, so we left a note, and hopefully, it won't be that expensive. But I was like, I, I, I will be fully honest, I was a little upset at the situation, not at her, of course. She, you know, is learning to ride a bike, and you know, mistakes happen. But I was like, oh, God. Just, just take, take it uh, out of her allowance, dude. Yeah. <laughs> her, her allowance of zero dollars. Oh, yeah. It's like,
0: well, uh, sorry, kid. You're going to be in debt for a while. Yeah,
1: exactly. But, when, yeah,
2: but she's just like. Oh,
1: like so, when she starts getting allowance and you start taking it off the top there, like students, like a student. It's like a student loan. You know what I mean? Like she could defer payments for, for yeah. the time being. But, you know, interest. that's right.
2: Interest. Yeah. Ooh. Lots of it. It's 100 percent. It's not a good loan, loan man. Uh, It's really cute because she spends the whole time, she's a very uh, talkative person, and she spends the whole time theorizing about, like, why she is biking the way she is. I think that I put my foot down because I was looking at the car, and the car was parked over there, and because it has a white front, I put my foot down on the pedal, and that's why, like, every, it's just this running stream of consciousness commentary on living in a 5 year old's <laughs> body on a bike. It's really really cute.
0: What's the um uh, uh, what kind of bike does yeah. she have? Like what's is it tricked out?
2: Oh, it's no big deal. It's just an Elsa and Anna bike.
0: Oh shit. Damn son.
2: Which is a really fucking big deal.
0: Does it does it have streamers uh, on the handles?
2: It does not. Oh what the um, fuck. But we took it in I like last Friday. You know, I was like, so we're, of course, taking the social thing, distancing thing very seriously. As, as like, everyone get, should be. As everyone should be. But I was like, you know what? I'm Before this really gets insane, I'm just going to take this bike in to get fixed because it had like the tubes and the tires are all fucked up. And so while being very careful about everything, you know, six feet, blah, 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 I took the bike into the local bike store, essential business still open, uh, to, to get fixed. Um, And now she's got sick
0: rims on it? Crazy.
2: Yeah, and now, well, it used to have, uh, you know, bright white tires, because it's like a pink and Mm. baby blue bike. Uh, But now it has black tires. And I thought she was going to be upset, but she was thrilled because that's like a big person tire color. It's like an adult (laughs) tire color. (laughs) Yeah. So she saw it and she went, black
0: tires?
2: (gasps) It was really, really cute. Well, please, please Uh,
0: congratulate her. Uh, for me on successfully riding a bike without training reel, training wheels.
2: I will. She And she's doing really well, too. She's like, you know, she can get down the street and turn and stuff like that only two days in.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear,
2: um, hear that. Uh, other peaches, I signed up for a little CSA farm box that gets us fresh vegetables every week because it's, you know, let's support some local farmers. I have this beautiful, you know, because I'm terrified to go to the market. Uh, I get this beautiful like curbside pickup box of greenery, and it's the best. Uh, yesterday, I pickled beets and made turnip chips. Ooh, turnip chips sounds so good. And they're they're great. They're easy to make. You just slice them with a mandolin and then, you know, put some olive oil, salt, and pepper on them mm. and then stick them in the oven. Super easy. Mm. Uh, so we have some awesome fresh vegetables, which, you know, hopefully we'll keep getting for the... Uh, foreseeable future. And let's see, what's my what's my final peach? Uh, I guess I'll talk. I'm writing some uh, some new music. Layton's is the thing I sent you. Uh, yeah, which is kind of a, a stacked loops is really what it is. It's not the kind of thing I've ever really. Uh, I've written this kind of thing occasionally, but I've never really put anything else out there. So I'm trying to write an album on this weird uh, kind of new compositional technique uh it's nothing that like intellectual or anything it's just something the way i don't typically write and it's very like Cynthia and a little bit of uh steve reishi it's really good and like thank you uh so i'm about three songs deep and hopefully i'm gonna have like a full album out you know i don't know next few weeks Oh hell yeah because my goal is to do several of these uh several of these a week and once i get i don't know 12 or 15 tracks they're all Five or six minutes long. That's put it the fuck out.
0: Fabulous. If you need some uh, cover art for that shit, hit me up.
2: I actually I do. Ooh.
0: All right. Let's let's so, chat about that later. Let's
2: talk. Yeah. All right, Layton. Um, Go for
0: it. You. It's funny because I I was thinking about this and you actually said a very adjacent thing to one of my peaches. So my first peach is that I made pickles um just regular cucumber pickles oh i saw your
2: i saw your picture oh my god
0: they're it's like a um it's like a martha stewart like asian uh pickle kind of deal so i did some sliced up ginger got some red pepper flakes in there sesame oil rice vinegar um i toasted some some sesame seeds to put in and just like i'm I'm maybe like two days into them sitting in the brine and they're just like bomb that's awesome fuck they're so good um, and I only bought one cucumber and I wish I had bought more cucumbers because they were one of the only vegetables left at the store. Um, so See, I, I am <laughs>
2: very anti vinegar with pickles, Really? Uh, although that's more like dill pickles. Yeah. Wait, so I, you want like want a vinegar. sweet pickle? No, not sweet. No sugar. Like it's literally like, you know, uh, brine, uh, dill, maybe a few other spices, but no vinegar, no sugar. That's, I want like kosher, half sour, dills. Interesting. That's, that's my pickle of choice.
0: Okay. But yeah, this is really I'm like... I'm not
2: saying you did anything wrong. I'm not judging. I'm just... You're not allowed to
0: have any. Preference. It's Good. It, It's just like a beautiful jar. And now I I feel like this is going to get me into making pickles a lot more because it's just so it's fucking so easy. It's like, it's, put it's shit really in easy. a jar. Put the jar in the fridge and then it's delicious. Um, yep. And then uh, my second peach is... Millie Shapiro, who plays the little girl in Hereditary, um, she has a TikTok and an Instagram, and she's, like, full-on, like, Lolita fashion, like cool makeup e-girl now and she makes tiktoks oh and it is the cutest shit in the world so i love her so she? much she's like she's, sep-
2: she's 17 oh so she's not like a little kid she's
0: no a no yeah. but they totally kind of like ate her down a little bit in that movie um but she is so precious and she just posted a tiktok that's her doing the like you know people have memed the i am your mother speech but like somebody put it to a song and it's like her dancing to it and it's just like my i saw it and my brain just flooded with serotonin um So I highly recommend you follow her on TikTok. Um, Awesome. And then my third one is that I, you know, I need more podcasts and I need some podcasting content for, you know, in the background while I'm playing Animal Crossing, which could have been all three of my peaches. But I if I start talking about it, I literally won't shut up about it. So I shall not. Uh, It's very good. But uh, I've been re-listening to or not re-listening to. I've been getting back into hardcore history because Mm, I, didn't, nice. I didn't realize you can listen to stuff on, like, two times speed on Spotify, and that, like, completely changes the game, because that was the main reason I didn't listen to it for a long time, because I just cannot stand.
1: Did you get to the one, that four-hour one about um, the town in, like, Germany?
0: No, I haven't. Um, so I've been listening to Blueprint for Armageddon, and I'm on, like, part three of that, which is great, because, like, I'm not a big war content person, but this is, like, kind of getting me into it. Um, and then I went on his website and I bought a bunch of like Blitz episodes. So I got the one about um, the bubonic plague. I got one about like the way children have been abused through history. Um, they're just like absolutely fascinating. And they're so long. So it's just perfect, like put in the background. And <laughs> his, even listening to it on two times speed, he still talks so fucking slow. God bless Dan Carlin. But like, I genuinely. Everything he says is, like, a parody of himself, like, being like, now, if this had happened, it would have been very interesting. But that would be crying over historical
2: spilt milk. Like, he th- sounds like Shatner the way you're doing it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Vernon does a really, really good um, uh, Dan Carlin. Like, he'll read shitty, mean comments from the Internet in the Dan Carlin voice, and it, it just takes all the fire out of him. Uh, so, yeah, those are my peaches.
2: All right, Meowch.
1: Peaches. Oh, my goodness. Uh, What's some fun stuff? Um, Oh, before all the craziness happened, I had ordered a a new compressor pedal, kind of fancy compressor pedal for my bass guitar. Um, Nice. It arrived at a beautiful time, and um, yeah, I'm digging it super hard. It's uh, not a very exciting pedal for some people, but it's a big deal for me because I love my compression, baby. Uh, s-
2: Congratulations.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can't, uh, you know, I don't have any plants or pets, but uh, I'm very proud of this compressor. My little, my little darling. It is the uh, Cali set.
2: <laughs> well, w- w- sorry, what about Thomas?
1: Oh. Yeah, what
2: about Thomas? I mean, Thomas,
1: he kind of does his own thing these days, man. I can't, I can't, he's grown up so fast. <laughs>
2: uh, for those of you who do not know, which is most people, Thomas is Commander Miatch's Pet Rock, Mm -hmm. who won Best Pet at uh, the last late-night live
1: show. He's off doing his, uh, you know, the thing with the Amish people, where they let the Amish kind of run away from here, and just fucking party.
2: Rum Rum Springer?
1: Yeah, he might be be drinking some of that, too, I think, uh, out there. But yeah, no, he's (laughs) drinking Rum Springer, and he's just kind of out, you know, exploring himself and his body, and just, you know. What he wants to do, yeah. kind of an awkward time did to we, go did out. Did we
0: award you a can of soup for that? I believe that was what the the reward for an, winning tim the, tim the competition a, was. And, that and sounds right. Soup.
2: Yeah. Oh it, yeah! I'll never
1: forget it because I've never seen something like that before. It was new to me. Oh, it's great.
0: Listen, if you want to have shitty fondue, <laughs> you put that in a pot and you pour like some chicken broth and a little bit of beer in it. You're 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 living. It's very good. Very good. Yeah, that gross. sounds disgusting. <laughs> uh, we'll not be doing that. <laughs> no, come on. It's good. It's good. You put beer in it, and it tastes normal. <laughs> mm,
1: don't think so. That's. I'm going to yeah. pass on that. <sighs> I'm gonna, I'll a, you, you do that. I'll, me and Brian will be having a rum stringer or whatever. A glass of mayo. that. <laughs> we'll have a may- mayo you know party. I'm
2: I have so little much little mayo turn, in my house right now. Turn this shit off right now, like, dude. I'm going <laughs> to fire it. <laughs> tear it off. I got, we were going to give them out, so uh, I was going to throw out for the live show that was supposed to happen two days ago that we didn't do. Um, I bought 800 individual mayo packets that I was going to throw out to the audience.
0: Like confetti. And now I have a,
2: yeah, uh, that was actually Layton's idea, uh, to do that. And, uh, now I have giant stack of boxes of individually, you know, packaged mayo, uh, in my front hall closet. You should, closet. um, Listen. you
1: should, uh, donate it to, um, to the dump probably, I think. They're looking for some, they're looking <laughs> for some of that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I I spent like an inordinate amount of time doing the research to see if uh,
2: creature stop. Uh,
0: inordinate amount of time uh, doing research to see if you can get like custom printed mayo packets, um, and mm. you cannot.
2: <laughs> Unfortunate dream come true to me
0: because I wanted it to be <laughs> like special late night mayo packets uh, uh, ripped. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh. all right uh me two more peaches if you Five will
1: peaches yeah um what's another peach uh curbing enthusiasm is one more episode and that show has brought me much joy many many peaches i've uh. uh, been loving the hell out of that it is i'm just glad that again there's there's fun cool content that'll just make you forget temporarily about all the crazy shit going on so that's a good peach i guess does that count Cool.
0: Say. Yeah, totally Absolutely.
1: Um uh oh it is uh, this one's kind of a peachy thing, not for me directly, but um for my folks who are way on the other side of the continent. Uh lobster season starts up real fucking soon, so hopefully uh <clears throat> they can get some, oh, some hell yeah. lobster uh and then I can have FOMO oh. about them having that and me not. But I'm excited for them for that reason.
0: Are you are you a lobster roll kinda kinda boy?
1: No, get that roll out of my face. Just take the sea bug, cook it, boil it in its own really? water. Oh, yeah, crack it. If you can't if you can't be fucking oh. cracking your own lobsters, like if you can't do that, you don't deserve it. You can't be.
2: I love a lobster roll, mayo-based, of now course. Miss me with that butter stuff. It. Not interested mm. in, in a butter-based lobster roll. Um, but the uh, a, a nice lobster, some mayo, like some Old Bay on a mm. toasted uh, toasted bun. Yes please. That's,
0: oh and you're like eating it outside, you get that salt air, like uh oh, yeah. I'm really hungry now. That's a bit excessive. But also <laughs> straight up lobster. I mean all sea bugs are a vehicle for butter.
1: No, you don't even need butter, really. If you if you want to be if you're like, you know, if you're kind of a fancy a fancy pants or whatever, you can be a. heathen.
0: Butter. Heathen.
1: Oh, just straight up. Straight up lobster pie.
0: But Meowch, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I've been really excited to have you on. Lots of people have requested. And we had so many more questions that, like, honestly, I could sit here and talk about this for four hours. Um, so I hope to have you back on someday. And uh, where, where can we find you on social media?
1: Oh, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I've got that at... Uh, Commander underscore meatch, I believe. And uh, I got the Twitter now. Um, and that's just a Commander Miatch. And then, of course, uh, follow all the twerp band stuff. TWRP band.
0: And you you music. T- and Sorry.
1: Joke. Uh, uh,
0: huh? Uh, I was going to say, can you tell the people about <laughs> your fun streams that you do?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, doing uh, Twitch streams as well. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Commander uh every couple of days kind of do it um and really it was a thing to do you know off tour but now there's just no more tour <laughs> for the foreseeable future so there will be some level of regularity with it um but yeah come come check out some shit there and yeah we'll see you cool. uh, see ya on the web
2: uh to, to to finish us out here i'm gonna loudly eat a pretzel into the microphone
1: oh perfect ready Real dry, please.
2: Oh, oh. oh it's so I've got peanut butter out. So.
1: Oh, these pretzels are making me thirsty.
2: Oh.
0: Are they like oh, the little nugs? Way. Nugs of pretzel peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, oh, those, yeah, so. those are the best.
1: <laughs> oh. I've never, I've never oh. heard liquid sound so dry before.
2: <laughs> oh. I really had to suck it out of the cup there.
0: Yikers. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, (laughs) I hope you're all staying safe out there. Enjoy my dog barking. Um, Take care of yourselves. We love you. Bye. Bye. This is the end of the podcast. (laughs) Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht and Leighton Gray. Please follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, and you can email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. Shit,
2: we're still recording.